So we got this taste of springtime this weekend, right? Um, just a taste, and we kind of uh, we all hope it stays now, right? Uh, with some of this back and forth, and yeah, I, I don't know how many of you take that opportunity during that time to say, I, I've got. Yeah, some yard work that needs to get done now or get things ready because, yeah, coming around the corner here when it's May, it's time to start, you know, putting in flowers and that kind of a thing. And, and I thought maybe this is a good time to, to think about and talk about what we grow. But we're going to do this in a series of Fruit in the Spirit. In my office here, I, I have a number of uh, potted plants that I keep in there that are rather hardy. I water them once a week or every other week, and that's about all it takes. But this year, I, I'm trying to grow some herbs in a seed flat in my window. I have found that to be a bit more difficult to do. I can't just water it once every two weeks. Uh, that doesn't get by. There's a little bit more tending that needs to happen in order for those things to grow and flourish. And it makes me think about the ways that within our lives and within our souls that that God reveals to us through his word this image, this picture of fruit within our souls that flourishes and grows. So I want us to consider that in this series. So I'm going to put that out in in the passage where this mostly comes from, right? This is from Galatians chapter 5, and the Apostle Paul defines it this way. He says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. I want us to sort of think about those things in the coming weeks. Because we're in that season now, the season between Easter and Pentecost, right? We've gone through that season where Jesus has risen, and now there's that time when Jesus reveals himself to his disciples before his ascension to heaven. And when he ascends to heaven, he tells his disciples, wait for the Spirit that I am sending, the Spirit to come upon you, the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. In these fruits of the Spirit that come with the Holy Spirit, let's spend some time considering how those things work out in our lives. Let's think about it this way, right? If we were to make a list then of all of the things that you would consider as essential to be a Christian, if you think about it like that, that we would create that list out of that and what that means for us in our lives, Considering today love, what it means for love to be an an essential ingredient in what it means for us to be a Christian. And I'm going to talk about love today as sort of this um, umbrella over which all these other fruits of the Spirit exist. And you'll see that come out in these passages, okay? So I'm going to begin today with the Matthew passage from Matthew 7 and then take it to the Colossian passage. A couple different passages. They're both written in your bulletin. You have them there. Matthew 7, this is what Jesus says, starting at verse 15. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. 
A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Then forward to Colossians, Colossians 3, where Jesus says something specifically here about the way in which Love, the fruit we're looking at today, is sort of this big box that holds all of the others, right? Colossians 3 at verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Love. Love is that fruit that sort of brings everything together. And, and I, I mentioned that and that this is sort of an essential ingredient of being a Christian. Uh, let, let's start there. Let, let's think about maybe what it means to be a Christian and, and what do you really have to have, right? What, what are the essential ingredients to be a Christian? There are some things that I think we would point to right away. If you just ask the question, what do you need to have in order to be a Christian? Well, I, I think many of us would point to some of the things that are obvious. It, it means, to be a Christian means that we are saved by grace through faith, right? That, that passage that comes from the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 2, for it is by grace that we've been saved through faith and not by works that no one can boast. That we know and we understand that one of the key essential parts of being a Christian is we are saved by Jesus, by the grace of God. We would know that and affirm that, and Christians everywhere around the world for the past 2,000 years would all say that. I think one of the other things that we would probably all point to is the Bible. That, well, to be a Christian, you need to know and understand that the Bible is the Word of God. And maybe we, because it's such an old document, right? I mean, there, there's challenges in how to translate that and then read it and understand it and apply it. But we understand that the Bible is essential, though, right? That we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus and that the Bible is the word of God. I think every Christian would give mention to that. You keep going down the line and then maybe you sort of veer off in some different directions of what people might answer. Especially if you, if you were just to go out on the street and start asking people, what does it mean to be a Christian? I mean, some people might talk about things like, well, I mean, to be a Christian means you go to one of those churches, right? That you're one of those church people. Or to be a Christian means uh, you, you pray at every meal and you read a devotional every day. You, you do some of those habits that Christians do. Or you, you tithe and you're generous with what you have. 
And we can create all of these lists of what it means to be a Christian, but, but let, let's bring it back to essential. Essential ingredient. Essential in the terms of, you know what, if you take this one thing away, I don't know that you have the basis of Christianity anymore. If you take away salvation by grace through faith, you take away what it means to be a Christian. If you take away the Bible, you take away one of those foundational ways that God has revealed himself to us for us to know what it means to be a Christian. Well, let's consider with what we read today one more thing on that list. What does it mean to be a Christian? Well, it it means we produce spiritual fruit. Not as a suggestion, a maybe, uh, if you feel like getting around to it, but essential. You take that away, you take away what it means to be a Christian. I mean, consider how Jesus says it in today's passage from Matthew. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, drive out demons, perform many miracles, and I will tell them, I never knew you. That it seems like, from the way Jesus tells us, that that there's this segment in which people may believe all the right things or say all the right things or even appear like they're doing all the right things, but still something is missing. What is it that's missing? Well, that's in that Matthew passage as well. In fact, it's repeated. He says it twice. And that's one of those features in the Bible. When something's repeated, it's rather important, right? Twice in this passage, Jesus says, by their fruit, you will recognize them. That producing spiritual fruit is rather important to who we are as Christians. But producing spiritual fruit is also one of those things that grows and develops, right? We know that we come to God by grace, in faith. We know that God invites us to be his own without us having to do or prove anything. But it's by the sacrifice of Jesus. We know that. So we're counted as part of God's family just on that basis alone, on the merit that we have through the sacrifice of Jesus. That's how we come to God. We call that justification, a big church word. But we also talk about in this church something called sanctification. What happens after that? Since we have been justified, what comes next? Well, in the Holy Spirit, there's fruit. Fruit that grows. Not as sort of the test to get in. We've already got that through Jesus. But now, since we are in, Because we belong to Jesus. Fruit that grows. Spiritual fruit. That spiritual fruit is given to us as a gift through the Holy Spirit to grow in us. Now, the spiritual fruit of love that we're looking at today is presented to us in this passage in a way that it's sort of this big umbrella term under which all the other spiritual fruit exists, right? That Paul says it binds them all together in unity. 
That's a reminder for us today as, as we consider what spiritual fruit looks like, that it's not a buffet. It's not a pick this one and pick that one that look good to me, or I know I can nail that, right? Yeah, I'll look over that list there of all that spiritual fruit in Galatians, and uh, you know what? Faithfulness, I can do that one. I've got that one down. But let's not talk about patience, or let's not talk about self-control. Let's just pick the ones that I know I can nail and maybe kind of wash over the rest. I'm not sure it works that way. Because love binds them all together. Just like I'm not sure that I could have a basketball team in which every single person on my team can nail a three-pointer no matter what. They're all like those three-point guards that can shoot and hit anything from anywhere beyond the arc. But that's all I've got. Just that. No one can rebound. No one can play defense. No one can post up in the paint. No one can do that. All I've got are people who can shoot three-pointers. I don't think my team would win many games if that's all I've got and nothing else. Got to be able to do all those things on a basketball team. Or I've got this really great driver in my golf bag and, and I can hit a drive that lands on the fairway every time. That's not really true, by the way. <laughs> if I can drive and hit the fairway every time, but my chips always go off into the bunkers or away, and I cannot for the life of me get a putt to sink somewhere outside of two feet from the hole. I can't do any of those things, but you know what? Every drive, it's out there. Still not going to be a great golfer that way, right? Because you've got to know how to swing every club in the bag if you're going to develop and be a good golfer like that. Spiritual gifts come to us something like that, too, that there's a little something to say about knowing how to swing every club in the bag, knowing how to use all the tools that are there of seeing this flourish in our lives. Love reminds us of that, that all of these things come together in one place for us as spiritual fruit. It's tangible that way. right? When we think about some of these other essential ingredients that are up there for, for what it means to be a Christian. Well, I mean, some of that is, is doctrinal knowledge. Yeah, we're saved by grace through faith, and, and we read the Bible and apply what the Bible says, and those are things that we learn in our head and in our hearts. But spiritual fruit is something that shows up. It's a tangible product. It's something that comes out of that. So everything that we say about faith and believe about what it means to be a Christian, it shows up in spiritual fruit. Those are the features of our life that make that evident. Look at how Jesus says this in talking about love and the way that love shows up. This is from John 13, that Jesus says, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another, everyone will know that this is the way that our faith shows up for other people to see and recognize and know. I have a colleague who pastors a church um, up in Canada who, who posted 
posted a link to an article this week that comes from the University of Calgary, that the Angus Reid survey that takes place in the University of Calgary through their sociology department had unusual findings this year in, in people's attitudes towards religion. Specifically, what this survey found, and this was only Canadians being surveyed, what they found and identified was that evangelical Christianity in particular, they said, causes, quote, more damage than benefit, end quote, for society. More damage than benefit. It's more damaging than beneficial. Now, it's not just that the good fruit then wasn't there, but in some cases then perhaps people perceive it to be even the opposite. Bitter fruit, the wrong kind of fruit. You know, I think we know that we live in a world where there's enough bitter fruit already, right? Now, you don't have to go very far and look very far to know that and see that. All of the bitter fruit in our world. And we have this gift through the Holy Spirit to offer and grow something different, something good, something in which our world that is sunk full of bitter fruit can look at and recognize and say, wow, that's different. Whatever that is, I want that. I want to be a part of that. That we have something that we can put forward that the world would say, this is good. And not identify as being harmful or damaging. It comes by the fruit that we bear. So let's consider a few things about that. About spiritual gardening. What it means for us to grow spiritual fruit. You know, I mentioned that I I have these seed flat herbs in my office window that I'm trying to grow. And and I say trying because I haven't necessarily done that successfully, at least not as of yet. What I've discovered here is that these seed flats say, well, what I know is you've got to keep them well watered. Whereas the other plants in my office, yeah, once every other week I can give it a little water, it's fine. I need to put a little bit of water in these seed flats almost every single day to make sure that that dirt stays wet in order for those seeds to germinate and start to sprout and grow. And it's got to stay wet that way in order for them to keep growing and and flourish and thrive. And earlier in April, I I had a week where I was up north for a few days and I didn't even think about it. The thought never crossed my mind that three days later I come back and they're just completely dried out and all those little sprouts completely wilted and gone. And all right, start over. Do it again that I had to give it some attention that way. But in the springtime, in the springtime when we start to give attention to some of those things, what we see outside maybe shows us a little something different. Something different in, in that we recognize dormant seeds come back to life with the right conditions. Right? That everything that's starting to grow and bloom and blossom outdoors We haven't necessarily tended to those things the way I have to tend to the flats in my office. But it just sort of, the right conditions exist and it happens. They're dormant, but they come back to life. I don't have to reseed my entire lawn every single spring. right? All that 
brown, dead grass that's there, it, it comes back when the weather turns around for it. I don't have to, or we don't have to, plant all new trees in order for there to be forests every year because they come back. Some of those things, those flower bulbs and all of that in the ground, those things just lie dormant in the winter. And when the right conditions come around, they start to grow again. Spiritual fruit then. Spiritual fruit is something that's given to each of us by the Holy Spirit. And it's not a question of if, because it's promised in God's word. In the Holy Spirit, you have the fruit of the Spirit. Those seeds are planted within our souls. We have them. They're given to us. And if you have the Holy Spirit, then you have the fruit of the Spirit. Now, maybe some people look at that and say, I'm not sure you're helping here because what if those fruits of the Spirit don't seem very evident in my life? Could that mean then that maybe I actually don't have the Holy Spirit if I don't see that growing? Or could it be that, you know what, those seeds that are given to you by the Holy Spirit are looking for the right conditions, the right conditions to grow and blossom and flourish. So, so the question that comes along with considering what it means to have the fruit of the Spirit is, is a question that we consider of having the right conditions for them to grow and recognizing, you know what? I can place my life within the right conditions for spiritual fruit to grow. That sometimes it's not a question of do I have it or do I not have it? That's not the question because we all have it through the Holy Spirit. The question is, putting the right conditions in my life for these things to grow and flourish the way that God has planted and intends for them to do. What kind of conditions, right? What, what kind of things do we need to understand that? Well, as, as I've discovered with herbs in my office, they need a certain kind of tending, seeds do, and in particular, at least with what I have in my window, it needs almost daily attention. Pretty much every day, I've got to give it a little bit of attention for that to happen. Yeah, somewhere along the line, as things begin to grow and mature and develop, then the tending becomes a little bit different routine. But, but at the start, at the outset, when I'm just trying to get a seed to germinate and sprout and begin growing, you know what, I've got to give this some pretty particular attention every single day. It doesn't mean all day long, I have to sit there and watch it, but every day I better be doing a little something towards getting this seed to grow. So as we consider what this looks like in weeks going ahead, right? as we start to look at all these other features of fruit of the Spirit and all the ways that those things take shape in our lives, consider along with that what it takes to give a little bit of attention where it's needed, maybe even every day, so that those seeds will grow, so that fruit will begin to produce. And it does, it's not like you have to have harvest the very next day. Sometimes I wish that would happen. But it takes time, doesn't it? 
Growth takes time. I think God knows that. God understands that we are people who are a work in progress, right? And that the work that we do in this progress, it never ends, right? That for those of you who've been walking this path of a Christian life for for many, many, many years, you know there's still steps to take in front of you. That there's still spiritual growth that can happen. That's still there. We're always on that path of tending those seeds that God has planted within us by his Holy Spirit so that we may grow. Things that help that, right? Things that make that happen in our lives. A little bit of soul gardening, if I can put it that way. That I can do some soul gardening. You know, I've mentioned in that list of essential ingredients of being a Christian something about God's Word, the Bible. That's rather essential. And that is something that tends and nurtures and feeds those fruits of the Spirit that God has planted in us. To spend just a little bit of time each day watering our souls with God's Word helps that fruit to grow. Now, some of this takes a little bit of a a different perspective, right? That maybe we think about things like reading the Bible or going to worship in church or, or some of those things that are on our list of habits that we do as Christians. Maybe sometimes we do those things for so long that, that we fall into this pattern of, yeah, I'm just checking off the box now, right? Yeah, these are the things that I do as a Christian that kind of help me know that my scorecard of faith is, is all kept in line. Maybe it becomes that pattern that way. And maybe what we need then is just a little bit of a shift of perspective, Shift of perspective in this way, right? Let me just pick on one, goodness, the spiritual fruit of goodness. That that there's a part of me that says, yep, I know to be a Christian means I need to be a good person. But let's, let's turn that perspective just a little bit. Turn it just a little bit to recognize, you know what? It's not about just being a good person, but it's about nourishing that seed for a spiritual fruit of goodness. It's about doing the things that I do so that I can nurture that seed for a spiritual fruit of goodness. So we don't show up here to church today just to check that one off. But we show up here today to be nurtured by God so that spiritual fruit can grow. That we come into this place asking God for that. God, nourish my soul here today. God, feed me through your word and through these songs and through the prayers that we give. Feed my soul so that fruit can grow. That we're looking for it. We're seeking it. We're asking God for it. And we ask with confidence because we know God has planted that seed within us. And he desires to see it grow. He wants it to happen. It's his will. So we look for that. And we do a little bit of soul gardening to help that along, to make that a priority, to see that grow. 
But we do those things knowing that this is all given to us by God, right? That we call it the fruit of the Spirit because these are gifts of God given to us by the Holy Spirit and through the Holy Spirit. It comes from God and we follow him to see that grow in his will. Let's pray together. God, thank you for the gift of your word and the reminder that you've called us to be people who produce spiritual fruit. God, I pray today that this would not be a scary or anxious thing for us, that it would not leave us in a place of of feeling judged. It would not leave us in a place of feeling diminished like we haven't accomplished what we've set out to do, that it would not leave us in a place of feeling like We don't have what it takes or don't belong. But Lord, may it leave us in a place of assurance, being reminded again that you've given us everything that we need to flourish in you. God, I pray for each one here today that whatever those steps are this week that's needed to tend that seed so that fruit grows, show us what that is. Lord, our prayer is take the life that we give and use it for your kingdom. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.